It might be a two-part series here, but we're just going to deal with the responsibility of siblings to each other. And of course, that's going to make an application to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Father, we do pray that you would help the young people to already in their life begin a begin a habit that becomes part of their character. A habit of going deep with people, of not always being shallow. And we do pray that you'd help me preach well tonight, teach well. But Lord, we pray for good ground, that you'd make the Word of God stick. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a scary, but in the end, an inspiring video. It's of a toddler being snatched by a man from a playground. In the small town of Sprague, Washington, the man runs away with the child. In the video, you see the eight-year-old sister chasing him down the sidewalk. And behind him, Behind the sister comes the 10-year-old brother pushing the, the stroller. I don't know what he was thinking about the stroller. He should have been the first one running after. But, um, but the girl does the right thing, and her name happens to be right. She lets out a blood-curdling scream as she chases the man. And the man in fear abandons the child, and the child is safe. Praise God for that. Of course, you'll see these all over. Two brothers save younger sister from a gruesome dog attack. Six-year-old saves younger sister from dog attack. It goes on and on. Kids got all eaten up, but they saved the life of their sisters. A lot of headlines like this. Fox 8 News in Cleveland. A few years ago, it says Julianne and Hayden Moore were playing outside their home in the old Brooklyn neighborhood of Cleveland when they were approached by a man. Eleven-year-old Julianne, her little brother, were outside. The man suddenly grabbed her little brother by the hand and started pulling him away. Julianne says, at 11 years old, when he tried to grab my brother, I knew, like, this is serious. I just grabbed my brother and went into the backyard. There was no time to panic. I could have wasted time just sitting there panicking. What amazing self-control. That that little, uh, she, she says, my brother wouldn't be alive possibly had I been hysterical. I had to do what needed to be done at that moment. They arrested the 33 year old man, Pedro. And apparently, based on all of the evidence that they were able to, to glean, he was a sodomite 
pedophile. So she saved her little brother from horrible abuse, possibly death. Over 40,000 have died so far in the Turkey earthquake. The Bible predicted that in the last days, these earthquakes would continue. Really, the whole 20th century has just been an escalation and continuing on to the 21st. But I was very inspired by a video I saw. Maybe you saw the same. New York Post tells a seven-year-old Syrian girl protects brother from earthquake rubble for 36 hours. A brave little girl in Syria was found shielding her younger brother's head from rubble after their home collapsed in the deadly earthquake. Rescuers spotted seven-year-old Mariam and her brother under a slab of concrete where they had been trapped for more than 36 hours. She pleads with the rescuer and says, I'll be your servant. Just save us. Mariam is an Aramaic form of the biblical, biblical name Miriam. Let's notice what Miriam was doing. Here we have Miriam, Miriam saving her little brother, doing what she can to shield him from dust and the concrete. It says in Exodus 2, the woman conceived. That's Jochebed, the mother of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. The woman conceived and bare a son. That's Moses. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. The Bible says by faith she did that. Knowing that God had a destiny and a purpose for him. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. And I'm sure you know the story. She put him in that little basket, that little ark, and put him in the river. But it says his sister, Miriam, stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. I don't know if she did that based on the advice of her parents. I think I just believe that she, out of love for little brother, wanted to know what's going to happen to him. So she followed as he floated down the river. And of course, Pharaoh's daughter opens it, and she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now notice, Miriam now exposes herself, 
Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. What an amazing, life-saving hand of God, His providence that we see here. But it was through the means of the watchful care of Miriam. The whole deliverance of Israel was from the faith of the parents through Miriam, watchful care of her brother. So Moses could do what God had called him to do, grow up in the palace of Pharaoh and then deliver Israel. These examples, of course, are inspiring. It's a blessing to see siblings, a lot of them very young, bold enough to love, bold enough to do what they can in emergency situations. But we also need to remember that the Bible refers to such love of siblings. Siblings, just as your brother or sister. The Bible says such love of siblings and other family members is natural affection. It's natural. You often see sacrificial attempts at protection even in the animal kingdom for their young, for each other. You see a dog saving another dog from drowning in a pool. I mean, animals sometimes will look out for one another. So natural affection doesn't minimize the heroic acts of loving people. But we are warned that in the last days, natural affection will disappear, largely. Isn't that something? In fact, what's happening is anything that's natural is being hated and despised today. That's why you see people with green hair, purple hair. They're trying to be grotesque. They're trying to be anything that's not beautiful. Because anything that's beautiful, natural, normal, right, proper is being replaced by the opposite. Gross, perverse, ugly. Our Bible tells us in Timothy, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. That means siblings won't care about each other anymore. They won't protect one another. They won't love one another. Parents won't love their children. Children won't love their parents. The whole thing goes against nature because there's a designer in nature and this is Satan's way of opposing God's design. So all things, it says in Isaiah, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. They're going to switch it and reverse it. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Think about these things. They're now calling abortion care. Abortion care. Killing the little baby now is health care. These are sick, deranged people. But what I want to point out tonight is that as natural 
affection is being lost in our culture. It's going to be lost in our churches to the degree that you are in touch with the spirit of this world. And it would be my will that you would be cut off from that by wise parents. Not to raise you ignorant or to keep you from fighting and resisting, but to keep you from the devils and the propaganda spirits that are lurking out there. The Bible says in the last days that they will also not only be without natural affection, but it says in the book of Jude that they will walk in the way of Cain. Did Cain love his brother? No, Cain hated his brother. He killed him out of jealousy. But notice Cain's proud admission. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Wicked sarcasm used to cover not only his lack of responsible care about his brother, but satanic murder. You're not only not your brother's keeper, you're your brother's murderer. But you know, I thought about this for a second. You have parents today, so-called conservative Christian parents, They act as if they're making the same sarcastic response to God. Where are your children, says God? What are they doing, perhaps God says? What are they doing on their devices? What are they doing in their lives? Am I my child's keeper? The parents are actually proud that they know not. You should also remember that Cain and Abel were likely grown. Even grown people have a responsibility to warn, protect, and watch out for one another. See, we need to learn to think spiritually. I believe most of you, if there was a a rattlesnake and a little one or, 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 or one of your brothers or sisters in church was about to step on it, you would holler out and warn them. But if a spiritual rattlesnake... They're about to step on. Suddenly, we're silent. We got to be nice. We're afraid. I was almost slapped crazy as a six year old, seven year old boy because I dared. Drive down the road with my mother, and I said, How come we don't pray in our home? How come we never mention God? I don't understand why other families pray, and we don't. I wasn't being smart, I wasn't being disrespectful. But people get quite angry when you hit on something that needs to be touched on. There is a sin in the Bible of being a busybody, a meddler. But please know that every unrepented sinner will respond the way Joseph's brethren responded to him. 
He was told by his father, go see about your brethren and bring a report. What did they do to him? Almost killed him. Sold him away as a slave. How did Israel, according to our Lord, treat almost all the prophets that were sent by God to correct them? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to say, you're meddling. You're a busybody. I had a friend. Pastor friend. One day I was told by my friend, now deceased, that he's going to leave his wife. Go after another woman. I unloaded on him. We ended up breaking fellowship. You know what he said to me? He said, you're meddling. I can't believe you're using... I can't believe you're using the excuse of the world. No, the house of Chloe wasn't meddling when they had to do what they had to do to tell the apostle what was happening in the church of Corinth. There is a difference between meddling and being responsible in love to help people, stop people from going off a cliff, from falling down on a railroad track in front of a train... And some of what people are doing in their sin and backslidden state and foolishness, childlike foolishness, it's just as obvious that they're running off a cliff. And if you're not going to go tackle them before they fall, can you just at least make an outcry? Don't do that, please. I was told by one that backslid years ago that hardly nobody, that hardly nobody gave them a message of reproof. Well, I think you see that True love should concern itself with this present world, whether somebody steps on a literal rattlesnake or not, gets run over by a car. But it should also care about somebody's life in the world to come. What's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ if they're a believer and in the thousand-year kingdom for 1,000 years? Ten times or more the amount of time compared to this life. Isn't that more important? You that would scream if somebody's about to get hit by a car, but yet if they're about to miss the kingdom of God, be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ, there's no outcry whatsoever. And what about the eternal age? People that are not even saved. At the great white throne going into the lake of fire forever and ever and the book closes.
I find it amazing. I find it incredible to see the degree that some carnal Christians will talk a good talk about saving life in this world. They're going to go rescue this, rescue that, rescue this. But they have no concern at all about their loved ones being poisoned to the point of weakness, sickness, and death. That's strange to me. Generation after generation falling away to hormonal, endocrine disruption and confusion from propaganda in the world, as well as diet and, of course, just plain sin, cognitive problems, brain issues. Nobody cares. I lose listeners if, if, if I preach on it. But if I was going to change what needs to be said for numbers, I'd say a lot of things differently. I'm not here to play that game. A 19-year-old just made the news for dementia. 19. Dementia. They're dropping dead in their youth for apparently no reason. The destruction goes on and on and on. Physical, if you're so into saving people physically, if you're such a hero, why don't you start helping people not be poisoned, but the same people that talk the most about it are poisoning their children. Major study today. Scientific breakthrough. They said, we just found that Alzheimer's is caused by the diet. It's what's in your diet. They think it's from sugar. They said, we have the first proof that it's from sugar. You, you have overstressed your brain with sugar. Just today. But let's put that aside for a second. While so many that profess to be loving, why do they care so little about the souls of their loved ones in the next world? Where, when they got to stand before God. I don't get it. If you care about their life, why don't you care about the next world? Unless you're an unbeliever. If you're a believer, then you believe that, guess what? Time's going to continue until Jesus comes. And I tell you what, when He comes in Armageddon, you're gonna, there's going to be a thousand-year kingdom. That's 1,000 years. Where are you going to be during that time? And then after that, the eternal kingdom. Where will you be during that time? Time's just going to keep on going, folks. Time just keeps on going. It will show up. As sure as the first coming finally came, the second coming will come very soon. So Paul says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's what happens a lot. If a person's a fool, they will hate you for telling them the truth. But a wise man afterward, he will appreciate it. Maybe this is why so many young people don't want to tell their brother or sister the truth. I don't want you to get mad at me. I don't want to urge you to do the right thing because you might get mad at me. You might not talk to me anymore. It says in 1 Kings that when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Troublemaker. Oh, Elijah the troublemaker. Elijah says, I'm not the one troubling Israel. It's you and your wicked witch wife. 
at Jezebel. You Baal worshipers, you're the one troubling our nation. It says in Psalm 141, let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. Hey, that's easy to read, hard to live out. But we have to try. We have to try to say, you know what? Let's try to grow. Let's try to learn. Let's try to look at the benefits. James 5 says, Brethren, talking to brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, that's not convert him to Christianity, but convert him to the way of life that God calls us to, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. It certainly applies to converting somebody to Christ. But the context here is from the error of his way. A brother. Think about what you do. What the Bible is trying to let you know. Let him know. Let him know that you are saving a soul from death. It shall hide a multitude of sin. Think if you talk somebody into doing right. Think of the multitude of sins that person would have fell in. The people that would have been hurt. The way they would have been hurt. The way God would have been hurt. But just by that one bold act of love. How do you know they're not going to say thank you? How do you know they're not going to sober up? How do you know they're not going to get mad and tomorrow call you up and say, you know what, I thought about it. I could give you story after story where I said, whether you're upset, no matter what, I'm just going to tell it straight. And it's been amazing sometimes to see the joy, the love, the blessings from God because I was willing to tell the truth. You don't want to be mean. You don't want to go around and see if you can poke at people and hurt people and, and, and get some type of joy out of making them angry and, and that type of thing. God forbid. We're talking about people who really want to love. People that really want to show brotherly love. And brotherly love is not just soft love. It says in Proverbs, open rebuke is better than secret love. Keeping your brother from going off the cliff. The love that the prophets showed all throughout the Bible. The love that Enoch showed. Elijah. Jeremiah. Nathan. It says in Thessalonians, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man. Have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Sometimes there has to be a separation. I'm not going to go along with what you're doing. Sometimes there has to be a formal church separation 
from somebody so they may repent. But I'm trying to show you brotherly love has a responsible side. It's not all just encourage, pat on the back. Sometimes it's encouraged to do the right thing. Sometimes it's not just a gentle nursing mother. Sometimes it's time for the mother to wean. Sometimes it's time for the father to charge, correct, challenge, so you can grow. Very few today really love. Very few really go deep. Willing to be nice while lives are destroyed. People they profess to love. I believe they often really care. But as I've already said, they're afraid to lose the friendship. But you know, you can say the thing that needs to be said with the ointment of grace, can't you? You can say the thing that needs to be said and express your love and express your humility and do it in a non-condescending way with meekness. But you can say, you might hate me, but i got to tell you, i got to tell you right now, you need to do the right thing. This is going to be a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life. We have to help one another. We have to help one another. Father has to do his job as a father, but mother needs to be there helping the father be the father. Sisters need to be there. You've got your part to play. Little brother has his part to play. Big brother has his part to play. Wherever there's children, however many children there are, however big the family is, everybody has a part to play. And then not just in this family, but in all of our families together, to some degree, it's not meddling to try to help somebody with their children. I shouted out in a Walmart just the other day, you need to read the book of Proverbs. Can't believe it. A little child got in a buggy and wanted to go play and just told her mother, no. Mother kept saying, well, come on, come on. She just screamed, stopped her foot and please go home and read the book of Proverbs. I'm not trying to be nasty to people. She might have never heard of the book of Proverbs. We got to do something to save this nation. Sometimes if parents are too weak, it's the neighbor that saved the kid's soul. Sometimes it's a coach at school, in public school, or a teacher at school back in those days. Sometimes kids will look back and say, you know what changed my life was the one person that manned up and told me what I needed to hear. None of the aunts did it. None of the uncles would do it. None of the cousins would do it. The parents won't do it. Everybody's got something else to do. But somebody in your life told you what you needed to hear. And you responded to it. And if they don't respond, maybe they'll respond later. Maybe if the rapture happens tonight, and there's a lot of people left behind, maybe they'll say, you know what, I'm going to try to go to Sermon Audio. Those sermons matter to me now. There's people that come back from backslide and they say, you know what, all of that matters to me. It didn't matter before.
We've had people that we handed out tracks, and I've had people call me up and say, you know what? I kept this on my dresser for two years. And I wanted to call you and say, I never read it because I knew probably what was in there, but I finally read it. I got convicted, and now I'm chained. Two years that somebody, I don't know who it was in this church, somebody handed somebody a track. They kept it on their dresser two years until finally they were broken enough, desperate enough, curious enough to see what's in it. We have a foolish, foolish view of freedom today, a childish view. Don't you want to correct your friend? Show you a few more verses. It says in 2 Kings that when Athaliah, what a wicked witch, Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. Can you believe that? But praise God for this godly woman. But Jehoshabiah, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. I'm trying to show you here that you saw the love of Miriam for her little brother. Hey, this is a sister's love for the child of her brother. In the name of her brother, she's going to save his child. That's sisterly love. We learn that Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stolen from among the king's sons that were slain, put him and his nurse in a bedchamber. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest. Boy, he was a good guy. He was a mighty pillar in Israel, and this was his godly wife. That was a one godly couple in the midst of apostasy trying to do the right thing. Praise God for good people. Amen? She was the sister of Ahaziah. Praise God for good people that stand up and say, I'm going to be a preserving influence. Though everything's falling apart, I'm just going to go around and try to nail everything back up. Try to nail everything back. Try to fix everything. Let everybody holler and scream. I'm going to do what I can to be good. Praise God for people like that. I know some of you are like that. I've seen some young people take each other by the hand and lead them and try to, try to be a good influence on them. Praise God for you. Your influence is seen and it's, it's known by me as a pastor. What about this? Proverbs 7 Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now listen to me. That teaches that you ought to let wisdom be close to you. It should be something distant over here. It ought to be as close to you as your sister is. But I think there's more here. I think it's saying that as wisdom protects you from fornication and stupidity, 
I think it's using the example of what a virtuous sister does in your home. When a fellow, let, let's say you have this young man and, and he's got a household. He, he's got this sister that's virtuous and godly. Maybe she's an older sister, maybe not. He's got a godly sister. And I tell you what, he wants to go backslide and mess around with some really bad characters. Or maybe he's just a fool and he doesn't even know he's getting involved with a bad character. And you got this godly sister, she says, not on my turf. And she goes up, and I tell you what, she chases that, that wicked witch away from her brother. I've seen that happen with my own eyes. Or maybe she takes her brother by the scruff and says, listen here, you're about to get in a lot of trouble if you don't get away from her. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. In other words, she's a, perfect, a, a, a protective influence. Two more passages for you. Song of Solomon chapter 8. The wife says, Oh, that thou wert as my brother. She's not saying something immoral here. She's saying that I can be affectionate in public with my brother and nobody's going to say anything or whisper anything. And, and, and so she's talking about the closeness that she had with her brother. And she says, when I should find thee without, I would lead thee and bring thee into my mother's house who would instruct me. I would cause thee to drink of the spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. Putting aside the application to the husband in this double picture, let's not lose the basic picture here on the surface. The Bible's telling you that a godly sister would take little brother by the hand and lead him back home. That's pretty simple, isn't it? If little brother was lost and you went out and said, where's little brother? Nobody knew where he is and he didn't know how to get back home and you went out and found him and you grabbed him by the hand... You're going to take him back to the house, aren't you? And then you're going to refresh him, refresh him. You're going to do whatever the mother tells you who would instruct me, which that's going to teach us some things also in a double picture. But let's put aside the double application. Basically, I'm going to take little brother. I'm going to show him the way home. And then my mother's going to show me other things that I can do to nourish him and help him. And I would cause you to drink of the spice wine of the juice of my pomegranate. That is, she's going to give him a nourishing, healthy drink. So let me ask a question. What about you? You got little brothers out of the way around here? Little brothers in Christ? Little sisters in Christ? You got people that have lost the way. They used to know their way home. Now they don't even know the way home. Would you take them by the hand and help them? So to speak. Would you give them what's healthy? Would you give them what they need to hear? The words of wisdom that they need to hear? Side note is pomegranate juice is given to a young boy. It must not harm the boy, in the sense of being estrogenic. 
Many other things that are estrogenic do harm, very much so. But here we have the biblical instructions from God. And then it says it's not just pomegranate juice, it's spiced pomegranate juice. Here in Song of Solomon and all throughout the Bible, one of the chief spices is cinnamon. And we know from history, from Greece and other places, that uh, the ancients would always take their juice, or, or often would take their juice and put cinnamon in it. So now you have an amazing, powerful drink. The pomegranate juice alone is known to de-stress you. Increase boldness even, they're saying. Overcome anxiety, depression, not to mention a thousand other health benefits. But now that you have spiced pomegranate, you have pomegranate with something like cinnamon in it. So just look at cinnamon, just for a second. An Iranian study, male rodents were given cinnamon for just 30 days, four weeks. At the end of the trial, the researchers noted that the cinnamon group's testosterone levels were 134% higher than those who received distilled water without the cinnamon. Now this was cinnamon and not cassia. But what does it do in females? Well, you know our amazing God. Cinnamon down-regulates testosterone in females. Studies show it increases the hormone progesterone, decreases testosterone production, helping to balance a woman's hormones. It fights infection, controls blood sugar issues. What amazing thing that is. We have lost so much in our modern American culture. She took her little brother by the hand, brought him home, listened to her mother and gave him that which is healthy. I think the application is clear. First of all, to your literal little brother, to your literal bigger brother, whatever it is, whoever needs some leading, do what you can to help them. Do what you can to give them that which is healthy. But then we have one more application of sibling responsibility. In verse 8 it says, We have a little sister. So now we're dealing with little sister. That was little brother. Now we have little sister. She hath no breasts. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she shall be spoken for? If she be a wall, we will build upon her. Talk, these are siblings. These are siblings. If she be a wall, we will build upon her a palace of silver. And if she be a door, we will enclose her with the boards of cedar. I could read that and say, well, I can see right now what this is saying. This is saying... If she's a wall, meaning she's virtuous and standing and not just flapping about everywhere and, and, and loose, then we're going to reward her and we're, we're going to give her glory. If she be a door, that is loose, we will enclose her with the boards of cedar. So it's saying we are going to watch over little sister. I wasn't surprised to see commentators say the wall and door are emblems of chastity and its opposite. We will enclose her with boards of cedar. The strongest precautions will be taken to guard her. As Barnes tells us, If she be a wall, steadfast in chastity and virtue, then let us honor and reward her. But if she be a door, light-minded and accessible to seduction, as in Proverbs 7, then let us provide against assailants the protection of a cedar bar or panel. I believe the Bible is saying clearly that there is a responsibility that brothers and sisters have to watch over one another. 
There is a responsibility that brothers and sisters have to say, what are you doing? What are you doing? I remember when my parents divorced and uh, I was living with my mother. My father wasn't interested in having us live with him. But I remember seeing so much sin that I thought I had an excuse to become rebellious. I resisted it for, for a while. And finally I just gave in to the local environment. But I can remember to this day, my little brother, when I'd get smart with my mom, my little brother would say, what are you doing? You've never talked to mom like that. And I remember the look on his face and the scolding I got from little brother. And I told him, shut up, mind your own business, quit meddling, all the things that big brothers do. And I went back to my worldliness. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. It went long that I'm sitting there being worldly and I look up and there's little brother running with the, long, with the wrong crowd boy, I chased him down, grabbed him by the scruff of his shirt and said, what are you doing hanging out with these people? I'm just doing what you're doing. Oh, man. Sometimes you go back and forth. Hopefully you're all doing good, amen? Hopefully you'll, everybody in your family will do good. But sometimes you've got to man up. Sometimes you've got to cowboy up. Sometimes you've got to go to your brother and sometimes you will be the one that can reach your brother or sister when the parents can't. And sometimes it's not just your brother and sister in your own family. Sometimes it's your brother and sister in church. Sometimes you young people can do what nobody else can do. Dear Holy Father, we do ask and pray that all of us, but especially the young people here, and who may be listening, to this message wherever it's found. Now or later. I do pray that they'll be inspired to do exploits. That they will be inspired to be bold and strong. To stand up. To risk temporarily losing a friend to gain their soul. To protect their life. And Lord, I know you will reward them as you rewarded the Hebrew midwives for standing up. If you've rewarded your people who take a stand, it's not all bad, Lord. So many will hear and repent. Thank you for that, God. Please let these children see the power that they have through your spoken word, to do good, to preserve holy people. In Jesus' name, amen.